1: Pack Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows and I'm joined by Maggie Loney and Andrew Mertig. We started the show by saying we didn't think that we need to ask how we were doing last week because it was a pretty awesome show. It's a little bit different this week, guys. How are we feeling this week?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, OK, so we'll, we'll get into all of it, but it, it was it's kind of a weird thing going into the week feeling like you're just playing with house money, right? This yeah. team has so overachieved. They've accomplished all of the things we we had ever hoped and dreamed this season would bring us. And then they do what the Packers do and they gave us hope <laughs> and then it all got taken away. Uh, In a pretty rough 15 minutes to end the season. But um, all things considered, I think we're going to look back on this in a week, a month, whatever it is, whatever your, your healing timeline is and feel pretty darn good about what the Packers accomplished and what the future of this team looks like. So how are you feeling, Maggie?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's always kind of hard to rationalize, right? Because you're like, I just want to see a competitive game. But the more competitive it stays for longer, then you start to build up the hope and the anticipation that something could happen. Because you don't want to get blown out either, because we've been on the other side of those two, and that sucks. So, (laughs) you know, there's not really an easy way to lose. Either you're getting blown out and it's not fun to watch, or you lose a really close one, and you start to think that, hey, maybe it's possible that they could go all the way. So... It's it hurts. But, you know, I think we'll talk about it in this show where it hurts maybe a little less than some of the other ones because the window felt like it was definitively closing on a couple of those other losses. And here it feels like the window is going to be open for a long time. So could be better, but also could be a heck of a lot worse.
2: Yeah, I think that's a wonderful way to look at it. And we did want to start out. Uh, even though Andy did a great job of breaking the game down, and of course the Sunday crew got the assignment of doing the post-game reaction, uh, we did want to give our thoughts kind of quickly about what this game meant. It will not be the whole show today, um, but just some of the things that happened and and what our initial thoughts were on those. And, you know, I, I think, like I said in, at the beginning, I, I think most of us came into this game not expecting a lot. But it is funny how quickly a game with nothing to lose can turn into a devastating loss. The Packers really outplayed the 49ers for at least three quarters and made it just really made the loss really, really tough for me to deal with. Um, and then I look back at the what ifs, right? The Savage drop interception, of course, that quote unquote failed fourth down conversion, which you will never, ever till the day I die, get me to believe that Jordan Love did not get the first down. And I don't understand how that wasn't replayed. Settling for two 29-yard field goals, love with the bad throw on the tipped interception, the missed field goal, the last play of the game where you kind of wonder, could Jordan have just taken off with the ball? Could he have just dumped it off to Aaron Jones leaking out? Could he have you know, just thrown the ball out of bounds? Any one of those things goes right, and the Packers have a pretty high likelihood of coming out victorious, and us being on the show talking about what the matchup is next week for the NFC championship game where the Packers are likely maybe not favorites, but pretty darn close uh, on, on the point spread. It's just
1: crazy that like, that's the reality that if they won this game, that there's even a chance like looking back, like what, like six weeks ago that you would have said that the Packers would have been potentially favored in an NFC championship is totally insane. And, I mean, you went through the devastation, the big plays that, you know, the Packers failed to come through on, and it's mixed with the incredible plays that happened throughout the game that gave you the hope, and it just made for quite a mess of emotion for many of us, I think, as Packers fans. I I think we all did come into this game understanding that San Francisco was good and Green Bay was going to have a really big challenge in front of them But I think the toughest part of the loss is that Green Bay was actually, like Andrew said, the better team for the vast majority of this football game. This was not like our favoritism being read onto this game. They were playing better football. And even with all the missed opportunities that Andrew mentioned, they looked like they had a clear path to victory as that fourth quarter began. I really thought after the Kraft touchdown and the two-point conversion by Aaron Jones, like they might actually take home the W. That's kind of like when I was like, this, this is coming together. This is this is possible, right? And it wasn't a long shot at that point anymore. It was very reasonable to think that they were going to be a team to upset the one seed and continue what is a fairy fairytale postseason run that we were seeing them on. So to watch it come so close and then slip through their fingers, even playing with house money, right, it, it just still stings so much.
3: Yeah, there's definitely a recency bias, I think, when you think about playoff losses, because the most recent one tends to kind of hurt the worst because it's fresh. But this game, to me, felt different for a lot of reasons. And, you know, Andrew mentioned it kind of already, saying that uh, getting to the divisional round was the blessing of the season. And it this was meant to be an evaluation year. And we say it a lot, but, you know, then you find out that this roster is truly built to last. And, of course, what stings in all of this is is the missed opportunities that were mentioned already. Like we knew the Packers probably needed a lot of things to go right, to stay competitive in Santa Clara. And even when things didn't go right, the Packers were in it until the very last possession. And I think that says a lot about the makeup of this team, but what makes playoff losses so challenging, of course, in the past, or what did make them so challenging was how it felt like the window was starting to close. You know, there was always pressure mounting, you know, you were always wondering like, if it would be Rogers, if he would get a second crack at a ring, or would they be able to win one for guys like David Bakhtiari or Mercedes Lewis or some of the vets on the team. And the expectation was literally always to make the super bowl. And if you fell short, it was disappointing. So to have this playoff loss, as much as it stings and it hurts in the moment, it felt different because it feels like the start of something brand new, similar to how I would imagine Texans fans feel, you know, there isn't a lot of like finality to this, because you don't have an aging quarterback who's considering retirement every off season. And I mean, I think the Eagles are a good example of that too. Like Jason Kelsey potentially retiring. Like there's a lot of vets that aren't coming back across the league that are on contending teams. So this roster on the Packers is young, obviously very competitive and they looked like they could be a serious Super bowl contender towards the end of the season. So give them another offseason to get it together and, you know, put together a few more pieces and I really like their chances.
1: I like Maggie's hopeful spirit here. I think this <laughs> is redeeming for our conversation. And I really do. I mean, we're we're one day fresh. Like, we woke up this morning before re- recording this episode on, on Sunday, you know, just waking up with that devastating, like, man, they really lost that game after having it almost in hand. So, you know, we're still unpacking all of that. But I really think Maggie's perspective is probably the right one to have here. And, and we don't want to... I guess, like, even at this point of unpacking our emotions, really discount what happened in the 2023 season because it was amazing. Like, we came in with kind of, like, a grocery list of things that we hoped happened this year, and I think we checked all of those boxes. And if we weren't the Green Bay Packers, like, if that, that wasn't the team that we're talking about here, then I think maybe, you know, there are a lot of fan bases that would be absolutely, you know... Over the moon with an opportunity to win a playoff game. And the fact that the Packers were able to do that in what is a rebuild kind of a year is fantastic. So we're just going to spend some time kind of sharing our thoughts on what was this 2023 season, what we witnessed, like what we think it tells us about the future, and maybe what we should be expecting as we go into this offseason.
3: Yeah, so for me, you know, this roster seemed dead in the water midway through the season, sitting at three and six. And then they rattled off three game win streaks twice, made the playoffs at nine and eight, and actually outperformed the number one offense and the number three offense on the road in two brutal playoff games. So that's just, I mean, it's invaluable playoff experience for a young team. And it's nothing that you can replicate if you're not actually in the moment. So I think to me, the season also highlighted some deficiencies Uh, And areas for improvement, obviously, as much as we want to highlight all the positives, there are some negatives that come to mind as well. You know, obviously, this is a completely different team when Aaron Jones is healthy, so his impact can't be understated. On the opposite side of the ball, you look around the league and you see the importance of inside linebacker play. And I think that position needs to get a lot more athletic going into next season. And then there are certainly pieces, obviously, that you like in the secondary, but the cornerback room definitely isn't as deep as we had thought it was going into the season, especially with the midseason trade of Rasul Douglas. You're looking at, you know, potentially needing to rebuild the entire safety unit. So I really hate to belabor a narrative here on the show, but in 2023 also completely demonstrated why I think the Packers need to move on from Joe Barry. And I I genuinely don't know if they will. You know, I'd be curious your guys' thoughts. I'm not sure that I believe that Matt LaFleur will do that. But there's a really talented young core here, especially when you look at the D-line and the edge group, and it would be nice to get someone in there that would utilize them in some more creative ways. But one last point here, I think we've talked about it a lot on the show, is that Brian Gutekunst just nailed the 2023 draft, except for, you know, maybe a kicker. <laughs> there is so much promise on this team, and I really can't wait to see it continue to develop. And I think honestly, it's just going to be a long off season because I'm so excited for football to come back to continue to see this team build on what they, the foundation that they laid this year.
4: Hey friends, for those of you who know me well enough, you know that the only thing I might like more than the Packers is pizza, but not just any pizza. Of course, Little Caesars pizza. It's time that you join me and make Little Caesars, which, by the way, is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. Order online during the Pizza Pizza pregame, all day on NFL game days, and Pro Bowl Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza, and as I always tell you, do not forget the crazy bread. The best part is that everyone wins with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, grab some crazy bread, and enjoy some delicious Little Caesars pizza during the game. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about Daily Fantasy Sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the PrizePix community each week. I've had so much fun making Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. Price picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.
2: Yeah, and it's sort of reflecting your last two points there, one, Brian Gutekunst, not only the 2023 draft, but now we're starting to see some of the fruits of the 2022 draft and how outstanding they have looked in their second year after there were some question marks uh, coming into this season. And then the Joe Barry thing. And, and quite frankly, um, you know, maybe a lazy take, I just want a defensive coordinator who is willing to be really aggressive. And I think that's what was missing on the final drive of the game. The defense played really, really great up until that point. And so credit to Joe Barry for rallying the the unit towards the end of the season. Whatever those changes were that he made, it really worked. But then you get down into crunch time and you're playing off. You're giving up a lot of soft receptions. I know that Brock Purdy was borderline terrible the whole game, but you're giving him opportunities. And it's like the worst thing the 49ers could have done is scored slowly. And they did exactly that. So be really aggressive, put some pressure on Purdy, make him make a great throw to beat you. And then worst case, you get the ball back with a lot more time. And Jordan Love doesn't feel the weight of the world on his shoulders. And so I don't understand why time and time again, going down the stretch of games this defense was playing really soft. And and so, yeah, I want to see a lot more aggressiveness. I think the players really responded. I don't know if the play calling always responded in critical moments. We saw how many points the Packers gave up against the Cowboys in garbage time. And I just feel like the end of the game coaching was really missing. And so, yeah, I mean— no, nobody's gonna argue or or think it's a hot take to think that Joe Barry needs to be replaced. But I'm definitely, you know, siding with you there and and hoping that we get some news on that uh, in the not too distant future. Um, but also, like, let's not get too down, uh, like deep down the drain on. A failed season. That there was so much growth and progress. Jordan Love looks like he has the stuff to be an elite quarterback in this league. The wide receivers and tight ends look great. The offensive line looks like it is in fantastic shape. The young defensive linemen and the edge rushers look really good. There are so many positives, and we know where the pain points are on this team. And the Packers have the resources in order to address that. Like, yeah, the Packers probably need to invest on at least one more running back an interior offensive lineman, a linebacker, a cornerback, and a couple of safeties, maybe a long snapper and a kicker. That is not a bad place to be, especially when we thought maybe this is a complete rebuild. Like, they are really set in a lot of places, and they're going to have five picks in the top 100. They're going to have a bunch of day three picks on top of it, so if they want to move up, if they want to move around, they can. If they want to just continue to add more depth to this and improve, you know, the depth of the team and special teams, they can do that as well. The Packers can get up to 54 million dollars with simple contract restructures or 77 million if they want to be a little bit more aggressive and do max restructures. This is according to overthecap.com. Uh, they have a really cool restructure tool in case anybody's a, a nerd like me. <laughs> and that's without any potential roster cuts, which we know some things could happen. Uh, so that's a pretty good place to be, especially considering where the Packers have been. Probably not adding a lot, right, because a lot of that money is going to go to re-signing players, uh, maybe some contracts to dole out like uh, Mr. Jordan Love. Mm -hmm. But basically, the Packers are going to have the ability to add a couple, maybe two, three semi-reasonable free agents on the open market. And they're going to have a lot of draft resources without a huge amount of needs to address.
1: Yeah, I mean, just going back to the Joe Barry conversation, I am very interested to see how this goes because I'm with you. I don't know like that I would be surprised almost in either direction here. I think there's a lot that's going to, for me, I, I would hope that it hinges on the players' attitude towards it. Because we saw this team really rally as a defense late in the season. And I'm curious what like the exit interviews will communicate from those defensive players um, not that that's the, the end of the conversation. Cause I think Andrew's right. Like they need a more aggressive, um, blueprint, I think for this defense going forward, that's ideal. But I do want to know, like, did this, did this team rally to play for Joe Barry or did they play for this team? And I think that that's going to be, I hope an influencer for Matt LaFleur, if he can get some honest feedback, um, going forward, but I, I, I can see him going both ways. I can see how Matt LaFleur may have been correct in that there wasn't a better option than to fire Joe Barry this season. He needed someone to game plan, and maybe he didn't feel like that person was on this coaching staff, which is potentially an indictment on some other weaknesses on the staff. But you can see how like holding that together may have been helpful for the end of this season. But I hope it's an honest assessment, and I hope it's one that we can – You know, if the players are all in and they believe and maybe with a a little bit more talent on that defense uh, added in this offseason, maybe it works. Uh, But it feels like that's still an honest conversation that needs to be had. But I wanted just to talk a little bit about the culture uh, going, you know, that we're taking, I think, from 2023 into next season. And I think that that's probably one of the coolest things that we've gotten to witness is players like Aaron Jones. Saying, I think yesterday, in kind of the crushing moment of defeat, realizing that it's over, that honestly, this is the best team that he's been around. And he's been on a lot of Packers teams. And I think for him to say that, like, I don't think that that has to be shade on old, you know, Aaron Rodgers teams. I think it just means that this is a tight-knit group. And this is a team that loves playing for each other. And I think they're genuinely excited. You can kind of feel in the locker room when, you know, they're trying to say like, Hey, we believe in each other, but they're like talking themselves into it. Like everybody says that, but you can feel it in this locker room that that, that this is a group that loves playing together. Um, The other thing is, I think that there's a lot of belief in the quarterback. And like, I think that that's something that like Andrew said, like they're going to throw out a pretty good size contract relatively soon to Jordan love. And that was one of our things that we want a box that we want to check coming into the season. Like the fact that they are ready to make that move and feel confident to do like, that's the biggest benefit of this season that that's the result that this team got. Not only is the on-field performance where it needs to be, but that locker room believes in Jordan love as the future of this team. And that is a massive result from this year. And I think honestly, like, I mean, we can debate this, but like the way that this season ended Like we said, this was supposed to be a rebuild year. They are arguably one of the top three teams in the NFC right now. And I know that, like, that's – there's a lot of, like, you know, debate about how it happened and, like – but, like, I mean, if they were so close to beating what could be the best team in the NFC this year in the condition of of the way that, you know, this was supposed to be, like, that rebuild year is – I just. They're in a great place going forward. Andrew laid out the road for how they can be even better. And I think you talk about the offensive roster construction. Andrew did this already, but they're four, five. You can argue six deep at wide receiver. They nailed two tight end picks that look like they're going to play really well for a long time. The offensive line is stable. You can reinforce it, but it's not a liability. You want to add in a couple of running backs. Like on the offensive side of the ball, they have to do very, very little to be very excited about what that group is going to be as they continue to grow together. So, I mean, there's a lot here, you know, once we get over just the depression of what we, you know, witnessed on Sunday to be incredibly optimistic about that, I think the league and the NFC North should be a little bit nervous about how quickly Green Bay put this all together. And so uh, we also wanted just to take a little bit of time and preview what are going to be the championship games next weekend. Obviously, we know what's going on in the NFC. uh, So let's start there. We're recording this as we're learning a little bit more about the AFC. We'll see if that resolves itself by the end of this conversation. But uh, the 49ers will host the Detroit Lions next Sunday, the 28th at 530 Central. San Francisco does open as six and a half point favorites in this game. Guys, what do we think happens? I know we're not in it, but now that it's going to be Detroit, San Francisco, what what happens next week?
3: Yeah. To, I mean, to me, it's going to be fun to watch, right? But I think this game completely comes down to the Lions defense. For as much flack as we gave the Packers defense, they still finished 10th of the league in points against. The Lions sit all the way at 23rd, and they were challenged today by a Bucks offense that really stretched the field with Mike Evans, with Kate Otten. So the 49ers offense is even more dangerous and more dynamic, but... We've also seen this Lions team that can put up points on anyone. So it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And obviously, like you said, as we record this, the Bills and Chiefs are in a close one, three-point game as of now. So really curious to see who's heading to Baltimore next weekend. And I'm not sure about either of you. Really curious your thoughts on this one. But once the Packers get eliminated, I tend to always root for newness, new Super Bowl matchups. And you know, as hard as it is to root for what would be a division rival to make it to a Super Bowl, it does provide newness in the league considering the lions have never been there. And although I will literally, literally never root for the Vikings or the bears in the postseason, So prefacing (laughs) that by saying newness up to a point, Um, but the Niners we've already seen obviously against the Ravens and the chiefs. So unless the bills are the AFC representatives here, these matchups kind of feel redundant, but I think regardless of who shows up for the AFC, I'll obviously have to root for them over either NFC squad. So what about you guys?
1: I right now, I I'm, I'm, I live in Michigan, so like for me, like I've never supported the Lions. This is never something I've been willing to do. I'm with you. There's no question if it's Vikings, if it's Bears, that's never happening. For me, there's a little bit of a soft spot in my heart for all the people that I've always grown up around who've been Lions fans and devastated for years. I've always laughed at them, but now, I mean, for them, we talk about how every year is so hard because we have these exits from the playoffs. They have won one playoff game, and what that's meant to them as Lions fans is just, I don't know, it's kind of been cool to see for them. I haven't brought myself to a place of rooting for Detroit, but I will say next week, if, you know, we know now it's going to be Lions 49ers, I don't need to see the San Francisco 49ers have another ounce of success at all. So, like, if if the Lions have to get to the Super Bowl for that to, to be prevented, then I could totally get on board. But Andrew is shaking his head at me. For mentioning any any kind of place in my heart for the Detroit Lions,
2: <laughs> won't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. There, there's something uh, you know. There's something weird about rooting for a division rival. Period. Um, I think I would be okay with with it from a Lions fan standpoint. Like, I have nothing against the Lions fans. I love that they've been loyal to their team as long as they have. I do not like Dan Campbell. I don't like. <laughs> Like, there's not a player on that team that I'm like, yeah, that's a feel good story. I would love to root for them. They're just kind of blah. I think, I think they're quite frankly very overrated. Um, and so we'll see. I, I dislike the 49ers, but I don't necessarily have a deep hatred for them. So I will just kind of see what happens and then root for the AFC team that, that makes it through. I think the AFC, honestly, outside of the Chiefs, really easy to root for. I've, Always like the Buffalo Bills. They've always been my AFC team when I was a kid and had to suffer through Don McHowski. Uh, I did root for Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, and company. Uh, uh, th- those were a tough four Super Bowls, uh, as my older brother made fun of me nonstop for for embracing the <laughs> losers that were the Buffalo Bills of it. But I always have a soft spot with them. I do think the Ravens are a cool story. I like Lamar. I like John Harbaugh. I I think, you know, that's probably the best team in the league. But, um, yeah, I I don't know. I can't root for the Lions. I guess I would go and and say I hope the 49ers-Lions game is entertaining. I don't care because somebody has to win, although I'll be rooting against both of them. We are uh, about eight
1: minutes left in the fourth quarter of the Chiefs-Bills game, and it's close. It's 27-24 right now, and this one may go down to the wire. So, I mean, we do know the Ravens will host the winner of either of these two teams. And I, I think from in the AFC, I would much rather see the Bills get there. We'll see what happens in this game. The, the Chiefs just fumbled the ball a couple minutes ago on like the one-yard line into the end zone and gave a little bit of life uh, to, to the Buffalo Bills to try to come back and win this football game. So we'll see what happens. Um, I will clarify, Lions fans who've been fans for 30 years and haven't seen a playoff win, happy for them. Not really excited for the people who decide all of a sudden they're bandwagon Lions fans super annoying so uh it's it's a it's definitely a point of tension here in michigan but um yeah we'll see what
2: happens with this bills and chiefs game so one of the things about this podcast in particular and i think packers nation in general is that yes this is sort of closing a chapter um, but it's not closing the book because we are a three hundred and sixty five, or in some years, like this one, three hundred and sixty six day a year podcast. And uh, we're we're here to provide the entire context for you. So I know this is probably a difficult one to listen to. I think just, you know, there's, there's fans like me out there that just kind of want to shut it off for a week and then come back to it. Um, but we're here to walk you through what this season looks like, what the, the rest of the playoffs in the NFL are going to look like and what the Packers have to look forward to, because the combine is right around the corner. Uh, we have all of the all-star games first and, and there's going to be a lot of prospect engagement Free agency. There's all sorts of stuff. So I, I I know it can be difficult to listen to now, but we do really, really, really appreciate everybody who has subscribed, rated the podcast, tuned in, interacted with us on Twitter. Um, and all of those things, we're we're so thankful for your support. We hope that those of you who love the off season as much as we do will stick with us. Uh, our new Monday time slot uh, will will allow for some creativity on some of the the content that we have as well. Um, And so we're just really looking forward to that. That is all the time that we have for today, but certainly not all the time that we have for this offseason. But this has been the Packity Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney. Also check out Packs What she said, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe to the Pack Day Podcast and consider giving us a five-star review. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Monday. And we'll be back next week with some dynamic off-season content. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember...